welcome to Pete's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Zambito, and we're here for episode 242 and part one of my conversation with Capel ISD in Texas, Director of Percussion Activities, Annie Chernow. And we are done! The semester is finally over at Mizzou, and we are now on break from classes. There are still meetings happening for various items, including ones for Marching Mizzou. So we continue onward with, for all and or many of us, a well-deserved break from teaching. And we go on. So let's get to our conversation with Annie Chernow. This is our first time meeting, and I'm glad Annie was up for it. Annie's been a mainstay in percussion for a number of years through her time in drum corps her years teaching in Texas, and her connections to programs in Delaware and Minnesota Duluth. It's also fun on my end because Annie's born and raised in New Jersey, which means tri-state area talk time. It's also great talking to her at this particular time because Annie's school, Capel ISD, is hosting Girls March 2021, being held June 1st through 5th, as both an in-person and online event, Girls March is helmed by previous podcast guest Rachel Taylor, and clinicians for the event include a number of wonderful percussion colleagues. This episode and the following two will include interviews with folks involved in Girls March, and I'm glad to present them to you. So here we go. We recorded this interview over Zoom on May 10th. 2021, and it begins right now. Are you, isn't Chernow the last name of the guy who wrote the Hamilton book? Yeah, <laughs> not <Okay>. related. <laughs> okay. But yes. It's like, th- yeah. that's a famous last name. I know, it's, that's pretty funny. It's, I mean, he's not, he's not a good, I don't think he's that good at percussion, but you know, whatever. <laughs> He might be. There's also a guy named Mike Chernow that makes meatballs in New York City. He's famous for that, too. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I only know that because my dad's name is Mike Chernow also, and they've gotten confused a few times. Like, it's pretty hilarious. (laughs) And people people are mad at your father for not making great meatballs and stuff like that? (laughs) I would love to see my dad try to make some meatballs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's a challenge. Yeah. (laughs) Andy, give me a summation of your percussion responsibilities as they are right now. Sure. So I'm the percussion director at Capel, actually for the entire school district for Capel ISD, because Capel is a one high school town. So I am responsible for everything percussion related that goes on in the district, which is super cool. Um, I, I teach at the three middle schools every single day. I teach the beginner percussion classes, which start in sixth grade. And I work at Coppa Middle School North, West, and East. Really creative names. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting on a South. I don't know where it is, but uh-huh. um, yeah. So I teach the, the three beginner classes every day. And then I also teach the high school percussion class. Uh, in the fall, I run all the marching band stuff. And in the spring, we do percussion ensemble. Um, and then I also kind of oversee the staffing. So we hire a bunch of staff, obviously, because we have a lot of a lot of students that I can't cover all of them. I think we're up to 140 percussion students in the district. Uh, I know it's a crazy number. Of course. Um, yeah. And then I, uh, so I organize staffing for marching band 
uh, staffing for some percussion classes. And my assistant teaches the seventh and eighth grade percussion classes at the three middle schools. So we kind of work together on that front. Um, and then we also organize the lesson program as well, because the majority of our students are in private lessons. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so then, and then what happens on Tuesday? On Tuesday? Yeah. What's on Tuesday? Um, like a random day? Uh, no. <laughs> Went for the joke and he missed. Uh <laughs> No, I was tr- I was trying to act like everything you just said is a is just was just today. Oh, is yeah. what you do today. I mean, it was essentially yes. I'm sorry, my brain is fried. We just had a concert this past weekend. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, and right away, you just see where the editing comes in. It's just like the snip, <laughs> snip, snip. We just move right in. So, first thing is. What t- I, obviously this is a this is an unusual year. Well, I mean for everybody, but what's for the time you've been there? What would be a typical schedule that you would be following during, like a I don't know, a day or or like certain days of the week? However, in terms of you having to move around to so many different schools, yeah, sure. So I drive first to Cop uh, Hill Middle School West. And I, now that we're hybrid, I get out and I have to set up my classroom, you know, with my, my zoom, my laptop out, my, um, I use one of the school's drum pads usually or a school keyboard. Uh, and I work with that middle school class. Then I get into my car right away. I actually have to leave five minutes early. I get in my car, drive to Kapa middle school East. Uh, and then I teach the, I do it again, set up my laptop, set up everything and te- teach a class at the Kapa middle school East. Um, And then I get into my car and this time I have about 20 minutes break. So sometimes I just sit in my car for a few minutes Uh, and then I get to Cuphill Middle School North, set it all up, teach my Cuphill Middle School North beginner class. And then I. uh, Okay. And and so, so let me pause right there. (laughs) Now, what time is it at that time? Uh, By that point, it's 1240. Okay. Yeah. And then I have lunch. So somewhere, and right after that, I usually have uh, a lunch at the high school. I'll drive over to the high school, have lunch. Um, Typically my lunch, I'm working through lunch because that's my one, that's basically my planning period during the day. Uh, And I start planning whatever it is I need to get done or start moving equipment for whatever we have at the high school that day. And then we have a high school percussion class where all of the high school percussionists uh, which about 50 of them, 50 high school percussionists come up to the high school for class. And then after that, if it's in the fall, we have marching band right after school. If it's in the spring, we have percussion ensemble right after school. So right now we've been in percussion ensemble mode. Um, we we kind of run that a little bit like university style where uh, I create a schedule for the week. Really, I create a schedule for the month so the kids know. Um, and I say, hey, from 4.30 to 5.30, we're rehearsing whirlwind. From 5.30 to 6.30, we're rehearsing a cop drama. And then from 6.30, 7.30, um, we're rehearsing another piece. So that's a that, typical day. And that's spring. That's in the spring. Yeah. Okay. Um, in the fall, my my day is the same for the most part. And then I have marching band usually until seven, almost every night. Uh, on Mondays, we rehearse until nine o'clock. Yeah. And then Fridays, football games, yeah. Saturdays, contests. <laughs> 
Sunday dead. <laughs> Sunday dead. Sunday grocery shopping, yeah. meal planning, yes. uh, lay in bed as long as I can. <laughs> yeah. Say say hi to whatever family remind that you have. Remind them that you exist. Yeah. Like all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> yes. Mostly Sundays is going to the grocery store and then laying on the couch with my cat for like yeah. six hours. Yeah, that's that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so tell me a little bit more about the the way that the kind of those middle school classes are set up. So are you working, do you have like a, um, like, are you working through like a percussion program? Is this something you've developed? Is it something you're using? How, what's the kind of the protocol for those students? Yeah. So for my sixth grade class, um, in the beginning of the year, they've never played an instrument really before. Some of them will have piano experience. The majority of them will not have any percussion experience. Maybe, you know, we get a lot of kids that say, I play drum set. I'm a drum set player. Um, and really, you know, they've taken, they've maybe taken a year of drum set lessons and what they're doing in their drum set lessons is very different than what we're doing in a beginner percussion class, um, trying to get them ready to play in a band and percussion ensemble and stuff like that. So, uh, we starting from scratch, we, uh, we work out of the Ken and Wiley books, mm-hmm. uh, steps for beginner percussion, um, for pad stuff. And then I actually spend my first semester just learning how to play snare drum. So fundamentals, um, like how to hold the sticks. We do a rest position and a set position to kind of keep class a little bit more organized. Cause how many students is this? Uh, on a typical year, I'll, I usually have 10 beginners in each class. Okay. Here's a little bit smaller just because band numbers are small because of COVID. Right. Um, but yeah, this year, and for most of my classes, I have four kids uh, in person and then four or five online right now, hybrid. Uh, but yeah, so we work and I use the uh, Kenan's book more as, as, uh, something, something for them to learn how to read music out of and less of like a technical how to, even though there is some really good information in that book. I cut, there's my cat. Okay. Yes. (laughs) This is George. Hey, George. George. (laughs) I'm sorry, George, that I'm not at home and and my cat Manny would, would hop on, but that's awesome. Yeah. George really likes zoom. So yes. Um, but yeah, anyway, so, uh, a lot of it is, is, uh, basic fundamentals and, and this is different for every progression director in this area. Like everyone has their own secret sauce or says they have their own secret sauce to teaching beginner percussion. Uh, my goal by the end of the year is for them to be really proficient readers, um, and have the basics down pat. Like I care a little bit less of, about having them play eight on a hand at 250 BPM. Mm -hmm. Uh, a little bit more of, of can they play eight on a hand at 120 and look really good and play in time really well. <laughs> so a lot of that, uh, we, we, you know, in the beginning, we start off with not even learning how to read. Um, and just Kenan's book starts off with like the, the stick control page, uh, pages basically. And yep. instead of having it, it just, you know, it's just as the RL tells you which hand to use and you're not actually having to read rhythms. So we spend a lot of time with that. Um, and then our set position and how to actually make the stroke happen, um, on a pad. And then we kind of get into reading and something that we've been implementing the last few years to help with the reading aspect of it is one of my lesson teachers, Doug Bush, who's really awesome. Uh, he has created a beginner, basically a beginner, uh, composition packet. So what it is, I have, 
um, he's created like 25 lessons. And the first lesson will have a key. And it says, uh, the key is a quarter note and a quarter rest. And then there will be an eight bar phrase A, which utilizes the quarter note and quarter rest and an eight bar phrase B, uh, same thing. And then C and D are blank, eight measures of blank uh, staff. So what we've been doing the last few years is I have the kids use the key and start to write as we're learning rhythms. So just like you're learning to read English, you learn how to read and write at the same time. We're learning how to read and write music at the same time. Uh, And we found over the last few years for sure that it's really kind of helped them understand better and quicker how to read rhythms so that we get to a point at the end of the year and I can introduce rhythm super quickly just because they've already been writing it. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's something that we've been doing a lot. And then I, each, each week we'll turn one in and then I pick a random kid's, uh, composition and I'll pass it out to everybody. And we read that person's composition. I make it a huge deal and I'm like, Oh, Sally, make sure you get Sally's autograph at the end of class, because you know, she's going to be famous one day and you could sell it for a million dollars. Um, but the kids love it. And, and last year when I had more kids in person, we would record, uh, whoever, whoever's composition we were playing this year, I haven't had enough kids, uh, in person, but, but yeah, so that's, that's mostly in the fall. Um, this year, just because of COVID, I had to wait for everybody to get some sort of keyboard instrument at home. I actually waited until January to start mallets, um, which is I think pretty uncommon. A lot of people start October, November, a, a good amount of people do both at the same time. I don't think there's a right or wrong way. Um, Obviously people are going to tell you that their way is right. A lot of the time, Sure, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I don't know. This is what worked for us this year. And I actually prefer to wait to do the keyboard stuff um, just because it, it, this year, especially we waited so long that they had such a good sense of the fundamentals of how to hold the drumstick and how to make the stroke happen and how to read music rhythms um, that when they got onto the keyboard, I didn't have to really talk about any of the fundamentals of how to play on the keyboard. Uh, it just kind of, it was more of an exploration of how to figure out how to move up and down the mallet instrument. Yeah. Um, and I spend a lot less time for this, for keyboard, I don't really use a book. I, I do a lot of um, just stuff by rote. Uh, I teach scales first um, before they even learn how to read. So we do first, actually, the first thing I do is we'll do eight on a hand on a keyboard instrument and I'll teach them what half steps are. um, And then we'll go up by half steps. So they're kind of learning where the notes are pretty quickly. And then I teach them scales Um, and all, and then four, three, two, one, we'll do that as well. So they kind of get like, it's like a chromatic scale exercise that goes Mm -hmm. in octaves um, and kind of helps them figure out how to move up and down the instrument. We talk a lot about like what, what you're supposed to do with your body and how you're supposed to stand on the keyboard instrument. Um, so we do a lot of that stuff before we even open a page of music and learn how to read. And I've kind of found that the more we do without the reading and the more comfortable they get on the instrument, the quicker the reading happens because they're not trying to figure out where a B flat is on the staff and then looking down and having to figure out where it is on the instrument. They kind of already know. Um, so that's where we are now. And then currently we are doing solos. So at the end of the year, we do solo contests with our sixth graders and every one of my sixth graders is learning a snare solo and a keyboard solo that they'll perform virtually for a judge this year. 
Um, and then we also just finished a scale project, scale karate, I call it. It's a, there are a bunch, there are a bunch of different versions of it. Um, but they, I have them turn in a video of their scales, uh, each scale in two octaves at 100 beats per minute. Um, and then if they pass it off, they get a belt. So, which is, I just give them a bead on a, on a string and they tie Ooh. it to the ballot bag. Um, and then if they get all 12 by a certain date, then they get invited to the black belt pizza party. <laughs> <laughs> so we just finished i have a good amount of black belts this year and we'll nice. have a party at the end of the year it'll be mm-hmm. super fun <laughs> and you they and you also bring boards for them to to put their hand their uh fists yes. i assume yes and then we have to actually go through the the karate steps which i definitely know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fantastic <laughs> yes. i've heard this before i don't do you know um Kathleen Kastner. Do you know who that is? I don't. She's a, she's been teaching at, um, she's a percussion professor who's been teaching at Wheaton in Illinois for like 40 plus years or something like that. And, um, and she's primarily marimbas, but she does a lot of this, um, beginning stuff without music, um, with like one, four, with two mallets and four mallets. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot about on, particularly on marimba, getting them to like be comfortable, like, getting that like full side to side. It's kind of the same idea. Yeah. Yeah, So much of, of teaching, especially the beginners, right. You know, they're so young. They're in sixth grade. They're really young and you throw too much information at them and it becomes really overwhelming and they don't learn it as quickly. So I kind of just started taking away things like little by little and really just going down to the bare basics, like how we do on the first day, like, Hey, can we play one note with our right hand? Um, so yeah, I, I found that that really helps. And like I said, this year, I'm telling you, I waited until January and I was shocked at how quickly they started to read just because I waited, I waited and they had a, they had an idea of how to fundamentally play the instrument. Um, and they weren't so worried about having to learn how to read the music and also find where it was on the instrument. Uh, it was, it was just easier for them. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. So at the end, uh, are they, are they playing, what are they playing? Like velocities or Merlin? Or <laughs> well, what's yeah, their, what's the end piece? <laughs> um, well, actually they do. It, it depends. Like there's a, there's Hunter's chorus in the back of Kenan's book, mm. uh, which is a pretty fun, um, etude that uh, some of my beginners are playing. And then some of them are playing etudes out of, uh, Patricia Eastloss's new book, which she's also one of our lesson teachers. Okay. Uh, and she just came out with a two mallet book called Momentum. That's mm. really awesome. Um, our seventh and eighth graders work out of that book, and uh, they they work out of Momentum. They work out of Superhands, which is Doug's Doug Bush's snare book. Uh, but Momentum has a bunch of keyboard etudes in it. So a good amount of my students are working on solos from that now. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. Now yeah. for the for the um, the marching part, are you writing the book too? I don't write the book. Doug and Patricia actually write it. Okay. Which is a sweet deal for me <laughs> because their writing is really, really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, what's the, the typical schedule for, for the marching? Is it, do you do like sectionals on, on, on like a day and then it's, it's full band the rest of the time? Is that kind of. Yeah. So uh, what's interesting about Capel is we actually do two different, well, First of all, we have two different marching bands. We have a JV marching band and a varsity marching band because we have so many kids. So uh, I have a JV 
full JV percussion section, like front ensemble battery, everything. And then a varsity percussion section, front ensemble battery. Um, and the JV band learns their own show. So they have their own music. The varsity band learns their own show, but then with the varsity drumline, we also do a drumline show, a varsity Mm. drumline show. So, um, we have a lot of music that we have to learn in not very much time. Um, the majority of the music is learned during band camp, probably over the summers. Uh, but then like a normal week, actually for us, we're all with the band almost the entire time. Mm. There's only one day of the week that it's just percussion and that's Wednesdays. And that's the only day of the week really that we work on our drumline show. Um, which is pretty impressive that the students, uh, can pull off what they pull off. But we do have our class every day from 2.40 to 4.10, um, which is just varsity in the fall, just the varsity kids. They come in and that's that's when we do kind of sectionals. Like the front ensemble will usually be with me. The battery will be with um, Mr. Wynn, Randall Wynn, my assistant. And then on Wednesdays, Doug and Patricia come up and we also have some other staff members. We have Eliana Yamuni, who's a snare drummer. Uh, we have Houston Youngman, who's a quad player, and we'll do subs for the first two hours, and then we'll do ensemble, percussion ensemble, um, for the last hour, hour and a half. Wow. Yeah, but the majority of the time we are with the the full marching band. I'm curious, the the JV band, do they do they play? They play for the JV football? Is like do they switch out or? Yeah. So we, uh, the JV band is basically like a normal, so Coppell is a 6A high school in Texas. The, our JV band is basically a 4A marching band, um, where, yeah, it's still, it's like next year, I think they're going to be 250, 250 kids or something, 225 kids. It's really crazy. (laughs) I know it's absurd. Um, and I'm not from Texas, so this is still all like shocking to me. Um, but we have our JV JV band plays at four football games throughout the season mm-hmm. uh, and they're varsity games. So what we typically do is if the varsity is away on a contest or they have a big contest the next day, we'll have the JV band play the Friday night before. Mm. Um, okay. but then the JV band also does a few contests. So I think they do two or three or four. I don't honestly, I, it goes up every single year um, because the <laughs> JV band keeps getting better and better, Yeah, uh, which is great. But yeah, they, they it um they don't just play for JV football games. They they do wait a little bit longer. Like their season starts a little bit later in terms of performances, just okay. because uh they are younger and it takes a little bit longer. You know, the JV is um, majority freshmen. But what's really cool is kind of seeing the JV program grow over the last three years. Uh, I think it's, this is, this past season was the fourth year of its existence. So over the last few years, um, we've been kind of like, I advertise it to my percussion students who also do athletics or also do something else or who maybe have to work a job and know that they can't do the full commitment of, um, every single day after school for varsity JV rehearses in the mornings. So I kind of sell it as a, Hey, you can still be part of the band you could still be in the band program, but you don't necessarily need to to do the whole full-time commitment of the varsity group, which has been really great because it's kind of been a selling point for, for some of our students to stay in band because they don't have to do the whole gambit in the fall and they still get to participate in concert band and percussion ensemble in the spring, which has been really cool. So there's not a division between like someone, a senior could be in JV. Yeah. Yeah. If they okay. want. 
Um, now, I mean, obviously you audition for, for the group, right? So yeah. I, ha- I do have students say, um, I had a few students this past year, uh, select that they wanted to stay in JV, which mm-hmm. I think is awesome because they know that, you know, they know they want to be in it because of whatever their reasons are, but it's a really good option for them to have. Yeah. So how many, uh, students are in the varsity band? Another 250 okay. to 225 or something like that. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I know. And, and um, our varsity drum line this past year was 32, like with the battery and front ensemble. And our JV was 20, 20. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the JV, I mean, the JV front ensemble is larger than the front ensemble I was in when I was in high school. My high school was like three people in the front ensemble. I, th- I always tell this story. I don't think they believe me. We used to strap a marimba to someone's pickup truck to get it to football games. And now we have like two 18 wheelers at Capel. And um, I always tell my kids like, do you know what I used to do? I had to walk uphill both ways in the snow with my marimba strapped to my back. Yeah. 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 (laughs) We all did. Yeah. Mr. Now. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. I wasn't barefoot. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) I had shoes. Yes. Everything else is true. (laughs) You, you've kind of explained a little bit of this, but how do you end up working with the other percussion faculty that you still that you work with and the rest of the band staff? That's a good question. So with the JV, uh, the JV class in the school year, actually, the JV rehearsals meet in the mornings, which happened during my beginner class. Hmm. So I actually rarely get to see the JV band uh, rehearse, but I'm lucky in the sense that I've hired an incredible staff for the JV program. I have, uh, I mentioned her earlier, Eliana Yamuni teaches, helps teach the battery. And I have another guy named Isaiah McDowell. Um, They they both marched Santa Clara Vanguard. They're both really awesome. Um, They're both from the area. So Eliana actually went to Capel. Uh, and that's kind of how she started working here. But they run the JV Battery. And then one of my friends from Drum Corps, uh, Lindsay Hartfelder, runs the J, uh, JV Front Ensemble. So a lot of that is, I mean, the three of them kind of took that and ran with it. Like this past year, they did a JV Drumline show uh, because we had some extra time with with the way COVID was going. And, and uh, they're really like responsible for that JV program. I kind of oversee it in the sense that I hired them and I'm like, Hey, will you do this? And can you be here then? But they really do the majority of the teaching in terms of, uh, the JV drumline, which is great. Um, and then the varsity drumline, uh, me and my assistant Randall Wynn kind of do the majority of the in-class rehearsals. Um, and then after school, we work, we work with the rest of the band staff um, on a normal rehearsal day. And then usually I'll have, uh, one other staff member come up like Houston Youngman will come and work with the quads and Randall will, will be with the snares and the basses. And I'll take the front ensemble during a typical marching band rehearsal. Uh, and then on a drumline rehearsal, we really divide and conquer pretty well. Um, like Patricia will take the front ensemble, Doug will take the basses, Randall will take the snares, Houston will take the quads and I will wait. <laughs> I will wait and do whatever planning I have to do. And then I come out and run full ensemble, uh, for everybody. So I I'm obviously aware that I'm really lucky in the sense that I, I can hire all of these people. Um, whereas, you know, like my last school, I would get like 
a tech that could come once a week or something, uh, or the majority of schools don't have the funding to hire uh, tech staff like we do, but we do have a lot of kids. Um, so I'm really lucky that we we kind of get to hire all these basically master teachers to be in front of our students. Uh, you know, the, the face-to-face work that they get every single day has to do with their success. It's, it's directly correlated. Um, but yeah, and then the band staff, I mean, we're, we're together nonstop. Um, both, I, I see the middle school directors every day, and then I see the high school directors every day, and we're with them after school for football games and contests. And uh, for marching season, we'll typically meet and come up with a plan or um, if I'm not at the high school, I'll just get a plan. They'll send me a plan for the rehearsal day. Uh, and then we kind of run it like sometimes I'll be up in the box. Um, some The majority of the time I'm down on the field because, you know, like electronics blow up in the front ensemble every other day. So right. I don't know if it's just me or if it's everybody or what. I think, uh, yeah, it's probably like every other day I have to fix something because someone unplugged something. And yeah. And then I'm on the phone with my friend, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Schofel, who knows everything about electronics and yeah, that's a day-to-day situation <laughs> for us. <sighs> wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so to get into these programs, like, can you find a place for every student who's interested? Or are you having to push them in or you'd be like, well, you didn't make it. So now you, you have another instrument you get to choose from. How, how does this, just the selection of who gets to be, who gets to make even in like sixth grade happen? Yeah. When they get to the high school, we don't cut anyone ever. Um, and there's a spot for everybody. Now they might not be happy with their spot. Like if they, if they wanted to make varsity and I put them on JV snare drum, then they might choose to, to not stay, uh, but we don't we don't cut anyone. We want to make sure that we're giving everybody as as great of an educational experience as possible. Um, and in terms of fifth grade, there's like a there's a little bit of an agreement between us and the middle school directors about they'll tell me, hey, you can take X amount of students. So let's say I get to see I get to take ten. Mm-hmm. I will meet with the majority of the students, uh, incoming fifth graders. And I do, um, an, on a normal year, what I do is an initial, initial round of, um, like turning on the metronome. Can you tap, can you tap your hand in the metronome and I have them clap to the metronome and I'll ask them questions and I'll see if they can stay with the metronome while they're thinking about things. Mm. Um, I see if they can tap their foot. I'll do some coordination things like give them some hand patterns while they're tapping their foot and see if they could do that claps and patterns to them. Um, and then usually if they pass the first round, I'll give them an invitation to a second round and I'll say, Hey, I, I, I think you'd be a great percussionist. I want to invite you. Um, we're all going to head up to the high school on this day at this time. And I'll see you then. Uh, and usually I lose a few from that. Um, which, which then I'm like, okay, they're not really interested in playing percussion, but typically the kids are really excited when they get that invitation Mm. because, uh, percussion is one of those instruments that, um, is pretty select in our, in our programs. You know, it's, we, we basically get to hand select who we want in our class and who we get in our class, uh, which is really, really awesome. Um, but then at the second one, yeah, the second screening, I'll have them all come up to the high school and I'll actually put sticks in their hands um, and we will, we'll see how they, uh, do with the coordination of holding sticks. Usually I teach them something like, uh, eight on a hand, really slow, see who can tap their foot and play at the same time. Um, who can stay with the metronome. 
And then I usually select my, my students from there through that mm. process. And we do that for every single middle school. Mm. Yeah. Nice. And, and then you, you play some Steve Gadd and you're like, all right, play along. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's the final test. Yeah. And then I sit them down at the drum set and see, see basically battle. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Fifth graders love that. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Fifth grade drum set battle. That's exactly what I need. <laughs> I love Just, that. I, I get it all the time. The kids they are like, Oh, I played the drums. I played the drums. And I'm like, Yes, you play the drums. <laughs> you definitely do. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the way that's 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 set up for you is that that's pretty much that's pretty much your life, right? Like I I cannot imagine that there's there would be much else <laughs> no. surrounding that performance or anything that would be beyond that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, this is pretty much my life. Like my first year in Capel, I also taught at Carolina Crown over the summer. Mm. Um, I, I taught at Crown for three years. I taught the front ensemble. And then obviously when I took over at Capel, um, this is my third year here going into my fourth. It, this was this. I mean, this is a full time job. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't very much time for me to go and do the drum corps thing anymore. And even though I loved it, but I, I realized like, Hey, you know, I kind of need a break <laughs> over the summers. And like I was saying in the beginning, my, my break is not a normal teacher break, right? right. Like, uh, I get a, a month and a half, mostly less than that, um, before I have to head back to band camp anyway. Uh, but I did teach drum corps for a little while. Um, this year I'm organizing the girls March, mm. uh, camp that we're hosting at Capel or helping organize. I'm not, I'm not doing all the organizing I'm helping. Um, and then I also was just, uh, I was nominated and then applied to be the secretary for the Texas PAS chapter. Mm. Yeah. So I'm doing that now. I'm, I'm not exactly, I'm embarrassed to admit that I don't exactly know what that means yet, Right. Yeah. but I have read the handbook. Um, but I'm waiting for my instructions. <laughs> yes. So I'll That's, be doing that. Yeah. Get the position. Then you figure out what you got. Yeah, do. That's exactly. Fine. Um, yeah. exactly. But yeah, this, I mean, this is, this is my life. There's not much, uh, there's not much time to do much else. Sure. Um, yeah. The, I like, I have very little time to practice. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got my, um, I got my master's in percussion performance and like I own my, I own my own marimba that of course mm -hmm. I keep at school because my kids play it more than I do, but right. I, I never have time to sit down and practice just because we're, I'm always doing things for school, always planning. Uh, we're always working towards some sort of concert or competition or something. So now that you mentioned it, tell me a little bit about getting involved in girls March and, and how, what's the kind of the plan since they're, you're hosting it. I obviously have seen the past few years where Rachel Taylor has, I believe you did a podcast with her, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I had seen her on social media. I have actually never met Rachel in person. Uh, we've only corresponded via email and um, we had one zoom meeting recently, but I had seen all the stuff she was doing online and I thought it was so cool. Um, and, you know, obviously being a female percussionist, I experienced a lot of what she's looking to alleviate in the, in the girls March thing. Um, and one day I sent her a message and I said, Hey, you know, we, we have a great facility at Capel. We have all this equipment. We'd love to host it. And she was super excited because they've never done it in Texas before. Mm. Um, and I was thinking Texas would be the perfect place to do it because we have so many progression students and so many programs. Yeah. So, uh, she loved the idea. We were going to do it last summer and then COVID hit. 
Right. Uh, so now we're, we're gearing up for it this year and we have a bunch of students that are registered. Um, uh, and I think we're going to get even more like the closer we get. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, we're doing a in-person and a virtual track. So if there are students that are still uncomfortable coming in person, or if there are students from a different part of the country that can't make it to Texas, uh, then they can still join and there's going to be some virtual aspects and virtual masterclasses and rehearsals and clinics and stuff like that. Um, and then at Coppell, everything's going to be outdoors to ensure everyone's safe. Um, but we'll have a front ensemble and a battery track. And I think the first part of the day is going to be like a little bit of exploration. You can kind of try out both and see which one you like. Um, and then towards the end, we'll have a show and tell where everybody we learn a tune, a, a few minute tune, and everyone kind of gets to play a little bit together. Right now we have 25 students signed up. So I, I have a feeling the number is kind of going to skyrocket a little bit as we get a little bit closer. It's one of the few, um, one of the few camps being offered this, this year, like an actual in-person camp. So it should be pretty cool. I know Rachel said that um, this is more than I think Girls March has had pre-registered this far in advance in the past. And then usually once they get closer, they get a lot of kids signed up. So it should be pretty, pretty cool. And how long does it last? Uh, it's June 1st through 5th. So okay. Tuesday through Saturday this year after Memorial day. Hmm. Are the students who come in do they? is it like, here's the, here's places where they can, they can lodge that like, what, how, how is the kind of the food and the, the, the other parts that are not percussion yeah. work out there? Because of COVID, we're actually not doing um, those things. So I think a lot of it is if, if people are coming in from out of town, I know we have a few students coming from out of town. They're responsible for their lodging. I think one day we will do a lunch, but um, I think just because of COVID, it's, people are still a little bit uncomfortable with eating near, you know, essentially strangers. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, the majority of what they're, and that's part of how the fee is, is kind of kept down, um, you know, the uh, the majority of what they're paying for the majority of what they're getting is the just the educational experience and the kind of um networking and camaraderie that they'll get yeah yeah who are some of the other instructors that are going to be involved i pride myself and we joke around all the time and say that Capel has the largest female percussion staff in the world <laughs> and there's like four of us but mm -hmm. that's fine um no. so all of, yeah all of us are teaching uh I, i'll do a little bit and eliana yamuni and patricia eastloss and Lindsay hartfelder uh we're all gonna teach together and then i know kaylee hardeman who's from austin will be in um uh lauren teal will be in for a little yep. sandy rennick will be in for a little mm -hmm. uh and Rachel and a few other people that I'm forgetting right now. Paige Durr is one as mm -hmm. well. Um, I think there are a few others, but I've forgotten them. Oh, Brittany Baptista also. Yeah, there's a bunch of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a, it is a specialized event, but is this, it, does this relate to some of the ways that you have like camp otherwise, like is, in yeah. terms of the, the, how the schedule is going to work? Yeah, it is, it is similar. We're going to have like a morning sectional block. Um, and then I think that we're actually kicking the whole thing off with um, a progression ensemble concert played by my kids because I have uh, five senior girls this year that are really awesome. And they're going to be playing a few of the pieces that we worked on for the progression concert. And then I also have a, uh, a piece of five 
sophomores. They're five sophomore girls and they're going to play as well. So we're kind of kicking that off um, with the Cabell Percussion Ensemble concert. And then we'll have sectional blocks uh, where we're working on just fundamentals and some exercises and some of that music that we'll play at show and tell. And then we were doing things um, like educational, short educational blocks after lunch, uh, where they kind of get to network and do some team building exercises. And then I believe in the evening uh, we're doing concerts, or uh, we might do a faculty concert. I, I would, I'm not sure when we'll put all of that together, but <laughs> we're talking about it. Uh-huh. Uh, faculty concert um, and clinics. By I think the majority of the the instructors are going to do a clinic. Um, and then some, some kind of team building activities. And I think the evening is kind of going to be geared towards helping the virtual track students interact with the face-to-face students. So something hybrid probably. Mm. Do, do you know what, have an idea of what that is, how they, how they, what they're going to um, try to do? Yeah. I think Rachel has some like games and activities planned that can be done online. And we're talking about doing breakout rooms and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those breakout rooms are, are fantastic. It's oh, yeah. one of my favorite things about it's that and the chat are the, my two favorite things yeah. about Zoom. <laughs> yeah, we actually did um, an entirely virtual drumline camp back when this started in the beginning, yeah. uh, like last May. And we did um, everybody. And then I had probably six breakout rooms going, one for each uh, section with different staff members in each breakout room. So it was pretty awesome. Like, I mean, we, yeah, it was all virtual, but we, when we got back, it was almost like we'd never stopped playing. So it worked really well for us. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, but, and then after that, you, you can, you can take a little break, right? Yeah. Yeah. After that, after girls March, then I might get some sleep. I don't (laughs) (laughs) You will suddenly become unavailable to be reached. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I uh, that's I always that's always my way of of trying to not do stuff in the summer is be like I'm going to be hard. Doesn't mean I'm not going to check my email, but I, I'll be like I'm I'm hard to reach. That's yeah. all I'll say. There's not service where I'm going. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't we didn't get Wi-Fi put in my bedroom. That's what I'm yeah, saying. No. Right? No. 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 <laughs> Cell towers are down. Yeah, <laughs> like they're, they're constantly down. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. Well, Annie, let's back up. Where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in New Jersey, actually. So um, a town Where? called uh, Freehold, New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I went to Freehold Township High School and I was in band there. Uh, we actually started band in fourth grade in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And it was a little bit different. Um, I, no, a lot of bit different. I'm being generous. It was a lot of bit different than what we do here. Like, I, I think I was, I learned how to play on a snare drum. Um, and I was in a room with a snare drum and then there was a flute player and a saxophone player and a trumpet player. And we were all in the same class and we were all beginners. And my poor band director had to teach all of us at the same time. I have no idea how she did it. Um, but she did. And yeah. And, and we had like fifth grade jazz band and sixth grade jazz band and it was so cool. Um, and then high school band. And I mean, our marching band was, our marching band was, uh, we were lucky if we broke a hundred students. Um, yeah. And then, uh, after that, I went to university of Delaware for my bachelor's, Mm -hmm. um, in music education. And I studied with Harvey Price and Jim Ancona 
and gym is kind of how I got into drum corps. So I, um, a gym was teaching at the cadets at the time and I decided I wanted to march drum corps. So I ended up marching there. I auditioned and got a spot and I marched, uh, in the cadets for three years. And then after I graduated from Delaware, I went straight to do my master's in Minnesota. Um, and I moved to Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota for two years. Uh, and I studied with Gene Kaczynski and Tim Brocious. And I got my master's in percussion performance. Um, and then I moved to Texas and yeah, my, my parents are still in New Jersey, so I'm actually going to see them soon. Um, but I've been in Texas for this, my fifth year. Mm. Yeah. Got it. Remind me what part of New Jersey freehold is in central, <laughs> central Jersey. <laughs> I had a, you know, I had a discussion, a good friend, cause I'm from, I'm from Long Island. So, oh, okay, I, that, okay. so I, I know that area, like sort of. Um, but I remember I have a, so a good friend of mine, I can't remember where he's from, but, but there was, a, we had this whole discussion about like, does central Jersey exist? Oh, it there's like, see, this is the, he's like <laughs> North and South, right? Everyone's saying, right. Like, yeah. So that's the usual delineation. Yeah. But if you look, there's a clear central part <laughs> of New Jersey, you know, like there has to be, there has to be a central. So yes. Isn't this, is, <laughs> the, is the central part like close to Philly? No, I was, I grew up still about an hour and a half from Philly, probably. Okay. So not that far. It's okay. definitely not far in terms of Texas, but. Right, right. Yeah, that's a different. I would say Philly is like South Jersey. If you're close to Philly, you're in the South. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> um, do you have family in the arts at all? Well, actually my dad is in the music business. He, hmm. uh, he owns a company that my grandfather started that licenses music. Oh Yeah. Yeah. So he's a music licensing. Um, and he was a, or is a really great piano player when I get him to play, but mm. kind of have to beg him to play. Uh, and my grandma played piano too. Um, and she still does actually sometimes, but I don't have any, like any people that majored in, um, majored in music. No. Yeah. What's uh, what company is your, uh, father, what, what, yeah what's a it's company? a small company it's called san juan music this is good okay. advertising for him he'll love it <laughs> <laughs> sweet good 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 yeah you hear that dad good job <laughs> <laughs> yeah so my grandfather started that company um san juan music uh i don't know how many years ago 40 maybe um and my dad took over uh, and yeah he's been in it you know and and it's gotten harder and harder obviously for music licensing because um, you know, back in the day, the big thing was CDs, like you right. sold big boxes of CDs and people don't buy CDs. Now everyone, uh, switched streaming. over to streaming. Yeah. Yep. So streaming is, a, it's, it's just a really hard time to be in the music business. Well, it's hard to, I mean, that's a big thing is just trying to figure out, you know, how to count streams. And it's, was a lot easier when you could just buy the product and scan the oh, product yeah. and that was, that would take care of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the artist, the artist makes zero money. So little yeah. streaming. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy. Yeah. Well, what, I mean, does he, this is interesting because that I mean, does he do, is he like, like music of all genres or does he have like specific artists that he represents? A lot of it is seventies, eighties, nineties music. Okay. I think he's kind of starting to get into the two thousands. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, 
grown as the music business has changed. Yeah. Um, a lot of time he like re record, what he does is he gets an artist and he re records them. He puts them into the studio and re records their music. Mm. And then he licenses that music out to like commercials, movies. Um, he's done some of those like singing cards. You know, yeah. the cards they open and they sing. Like there's, yeah, yeah. there's one a while ago that had the car wash. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Working and, at the car wash. Yeah. yeah. And that was his, his version of the car wash. And we always thought that was so cool when we were little, we're like, this is dad's song. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's done a lot of different things like that. Oh, that's fascinating. That, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a thing. I mean, it's like Taylor Swift. That's a, like, that's a thing that people are now, they have a little more of a, of a awareness of. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. The, all the licensing stuff. Yeah. And then, and what I think what's interesting too is, is kind of similar, uh, you know, people are starting to self-produce yeah. a lot of their stuff just because of that. Right. Yeah. Because of how hard it is right now with the streaming. And it's just, you, it's also cheap to do. I mean, it's, oh, it's yeah. not, it's I mean, not anyone time. can do it now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know sure. we record, I record things on my iPhone sometimes and, yeah. and, and it sounds it's fantastic. Fine. So yeah. like, why, why do anything else? Yeah. I recorded something on a, on an iPad like a month ago, I had to do it. It was a little more, but anyway, I did it and I was like, wait, this is pretty good. Like uh-huh. it's just, and it was just like the, the, I, I like just put the file. I sent it to a friend and then they put it together for something. And it was like, that actually worked out. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't that bad. Yeah, I know. I had all my kids this year for all region, uh, record their recordings on an iPad. Yeah. The first round, like if they got onto the state round, then we use a nice microphone, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that why, why use anything else? The iPad works perfectly. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's in, what's it, you know, fascinating kind of, um, about that, you know, the Northeast is that like, I mean, I think you're kind of getting at this is that not generally speaking, not a big marching area. Um, I mean, not to the level that it is in the Midwest and the South, but I, I would imagine it, it. You probably not the, not the, the the biggest thing you did. I would, yeah, I would think, no. right? No, no. My, I mean, marching band was like always on the back burner for us. Yeah. And so much of this is in Texas. Football is huge, right? Yeah, right. Um, in New Jersey, football was not like my. We could go an entire season in my high school football. Di- my high school football team could not win a game. <laughs> like we would just we would go zero and twenty or whatever for the whole season. I don't know how many games we played. That was probably wrong. That's a lot. That's more. But I get to play. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how bad they were. They lost extra yeah, games. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I know our. I mean, our football team was not good, and the arts in general get very little funding. Like, yeah. uh, we had a hundred something kids in the band, and we had one band director. Yeah. which is how you can have that amount of kids in a room. Now, looking back on it as an educator, it's absurd to me. Like, I don't know how you can put one teacher in a room with a hundred kids. Um, it's just crazy, but, but yeah. And, and elementary music there, you know, it's like I said, it's not broken up into different sections. Um, 
I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, I would just get pulled out of one of my classes. Yeah, like it right. an actual class. Yeah. I would get pulled out of like English class this week and I would learn how to play, um, I don't know, eighth notes. And mm-hmm. then my teacher would send me back and then like, I'd get pulled out of math class the next week. And it depended on what class I was, I was doing well in, I guess if I, like I wasn't, if I was doing well in English, but not doing so well in math, like they would pull me out of English instead of math. Um, but I think also my teachers could just say, no, she can't come to band this week. Um, it, it wasn't like what my class, my kids have now where it's built into their schedule and I'm their teacher of record uh, yeah. on their schedule. Um, and yeah, I mean, marching band, like my, my high school band director wasn't a huge fan of marching band. He kind of just did it because, you know, it was required. Yeah, that sounds um, right. <laughs> yeah, we, that we, we would go to one contest a year and we yeah. would always get last place because it was the one contest we went to. Right. Um, and we didn't, we didn't care. I mean, we wanted so badly to go to more. Like we wanted, we loved marching band. Marching band was so cool to us. Yeah. Um, but my director, I mean, we did also did so many other things and he did it all right because he was the only guy. Uh, so like we would do jazz band and he would, he ran the jazz band and then mm-hmm. we would, uh, we did an outside of school wind ensemble. Like you had an audition to be in the wind ensemble because otherwise everyone was just in one concert band. Um, and he would run that. And then we also did, uh, um, pit orchestra we played in the pit orchestra for the musical which was my favorite thing that i ever did in high school yeah same uh, yeah it was so fun and you know people don't do that here in texas we're actually trying next year to get my kids to play at least a few of them a uh, few percussionists to play for the high school musical but i mean that was to me like the best time of year um playing in the the high school pit orchestra for whatever musical it was you know getting uh the first two years I played piano really poorly and then the second two years I played percussion which was so fun but getting to play those auxiliary percussion books was I mean I mean still looking back on high school it's like my favorite thing that I did Um, what were the what musicals Oh my gosh, we did Sweet Charity my first year, which Oh, is, that's a good one. That's like an underrated good one. It is very good and extremely inappropriate for a high school. That is <laughs> That was the next thing I was, I was coming up. Yeah, when I think about it, I'm like, how did our district get away with that? Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um and we did Peter Pan, which was really fun. Okay. And they actually like brought in the rigs to get the students to fly, which Nice. Was, we did Susicle and the percussion oh. book Susicle was awesome. Uh, and we did the whiz and the percussion book for the whiz was amazing. Too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. We did some great musicals. Um, and then I did a camp one year and I got to play a chorus line, which is my all time favorite musical. <laughs> uh, also another inappropriate one. I know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, well that, that's, I think I was trying to think of where it's up there from. It's not my favorite. I like it. But my wife loves Chorus Line. It was like one of her music first. Music is so good. It is. It is really good. Yeah. Yeah. The opening, it's it's one of the, there's a, like, that the opening of that musical, the first like 10 minutes are maybe the best. Oh, of, yeah. Of any, I was like, maybe the the Lion King, the Broadway Lion King is, is I think, usually holds the top spot. But the yeah. opening, that opening uh, audition thing is incredible it's so cool yeah i actually got to see it um i've seen both the lion king and a chorus line on broadway and i got to see a chorus line right before it went off like the last week because Mm. uh, my mom was able to get tickets and she knew how much i loved it and it was closing so we were lucky enough to see it yeah it was so good who was anybody of note in it oh i don't remember i i was 
Yeah, I was younger, so I don't think I would have even known. But sure. I mean, no matter who was in it, it was amazing to me. It was right, so right. Cool. Of course, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was that was uh, my favorite thing that we ever did. And and um, you know, my students, my students' band experience now is so drastically different than the experience that I had on the East yeah. Coast. Um, and most of the most of the ways are positive, you know, but. But one thing I, I, my high school band experience was not competition driven at all. Yeah. Um, And everything we do in Texas music is competition driven. And, and, and that's by design, right? Because I mean, we're, we're able to do what we do because of football essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And football is all about competition. And so that's kind of where we are. And, and it gets, it gets, uh, more and more competition driven every single year, I think, you know, because the expectations get really high. And, and that was one thing that was, was a little bit of a culture shock for me um, coming from where I came from to here. And, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, It's just, there's a delicate balance, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some of, some of us, like, I, I think in Capel, the percussion staff, we, we try really hard, especially when it comes to like drama and show stuff to make it not about the competition and decide, you know, we, we rarely talk about winning with the kids. Um, and actually I, I'm not even going to say rarely, we never talk about it. We don't talk about winning. That's not our goal. Our goal is always to just be as, as good as we can possibly be. And, and, um, you know, we, we push them to be as great as we know they can be and whatever the end result is the end result. And, you know, it's paid off for us over the last few years. So, yeah. That's awesome. So while you're in middle school, high school, are you doing anything else? Are you involved in student government or sports or church related or anything else that's filling out your time? No, I did only did band. I only did band. I did absolutely every single possible thing band related that I could do. I was, I was in the jazz band. I was in the marching band. I was in the concert band. I was in the wind ensemble. I was in the pit orchestra. I was in music theory class. I, uh, I, I can't even like, I don't know that there was one non-band related thing that I did in high school, which is crazy. (laughs) Thinking back on it, like, yeah, I really don't think I had, I don't think I did anything else. That's fine. Meanwhile, my kids, they do absolutely everything. Like I have a kid that's been student council president for the last seven years or something. Hmm. Yeah. Just Um, because. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know five of my seniors um, are in the top 5% of their class Hmm. this year. So I like, I don't know how they do it. I don't. (laughs) How do you end up at Delaware? What gets you there? The University of Delaware was kind of at the top of my list just because um, I knew their music program was pretty good. It was, I would, I felt like it was far enough away from home, uh, but not too far. For me, it was yeah. only an hour and a half. Okay. Um, and I had also wanted to go. I had really, for the longest time, wanted to go to uh, UMass Amherst and mm-hmm. study with um, Tom Hannum and Ayano was there too. Yeah. Uh, and. I like went and I did an audition, did a lesson and everything. And then I got waitlisted, um, at UMass and I was heartbroken. And the next week or so I had gone down to uh, a lesson. I wasn't able to make the, the scheduled, um, audition time for Delaware. 
So I had gone down separately and taken a lesson with Harvey and he gave me a tour of the campus and, and I really kind of fell in love with it and, um, it ended up being a blessing and I, uh, got into Delaware and yeah, I chose Delaware. So I really did like, I didn't want to go there to begin with. It wasn't like, I didn't want to go there. I just really loved UMass. Um, and I wanted to go there. Uh, but I think it, it kind of ended up working out in my favor because I, I honestly thinking about it, don't know that my life would have been that much different had I gone to UMass versus mm. Delaware, because I ended up marching drum corps with a lot of people that went to UMass. So I might've ended up on the same exact path that I am now, which is kind of funny to think about um, because usually it goes the other way. Like you think your paths diverge and, and your life completely changes. But in that, in that respect, I think if I had gone to UMass, it would have been very similar. Um, but I ended up loving Delaware. It was like, the location was awesome. The school was awesome. Um, the percussion program was what I needed and the marching band was, was great. And I was, that's kind of where I started the whole front ensemble thing for me, um, started at Delaware and yeah, it, it ended up being really great. And now actually the professors from my master's degree teach at Delaware. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, they moved. They just got the job at Delaware because Harvey left. He retired. Gene uh-huh. uh, Kaczynski and Tim Brocious took over at Delaware, which is kind of funny. Oh, wow. I didn't that that just like just happened. Yeah. Like this year. This is their first year there. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah. Or what kinds of things were part of that Delaware program? Well, look, let's start with the kind of the studio side. Was it um, kind of like every, like you'll, we'll get you competent on everything. Was this a, like, we're going to focus on one thing specifically. Yeah. Uh, Delaware was really, um, well-rounded. It was really well-rounded. Uh, a lot of your, our freshman year, I'm trying to think our freshman year was like music theory, jazz, vibraphone and ragtime xylophone, um, mm-hmm. uh, learning how to improvise, and stuff like that. And, um, sophomore year we did marimba solos because we studied with a guy named Orlando Cotto. Oh yeah. 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 So we did, um, marimba and also Latin, Latin percussion. Yeah. Uh, so we take a whole semester uh, or a whole year, I think of Latin, how to play congas and bongos and tamales, mm-hmm. um, which was really fun and cajon a little bit. Um, and then we also did like, I mean, basically the whole orchestral thing, like excerpts and timpani and, um, concert snare drum and played Del Cluse, mm-hmm. uh, played, um, all the, yeah, basically all the timpani excerpts you could think of because Harvey, uh, was a sub for the Philadelphia orchestra. So we did a lot of orchestral stuff with him. Um, but really it was a lot of everything. And then we were in percussion ensemble separately. Then we were in marching band separately. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't so much, uh, one thing it was, it was a very well-rounded studio and it was pretty small. Like, I don't think we ever topped 20. Mm. Um, it was probably always between 16 and 18 students okay. when I was there. So it was, it was a good size. I think, you know, I, I have students that go off to be in these like massive, massive percussion studios. Um, for me, I always liked the small studio where I got to have like a really personal relationship with my professors. Yeah. Yeah. What was the, although I, let me just, I have something I have to look for here now that you maybe think about it. Where is it? I love this set. Oh, Do you yeah. Know? Yeah. I've played multiple <laughs> things out of this. This Latin, cool. Latin American album from Marimba that Orlando Cotto. <laughs> 
He yeah, did a, I heard him do a clinic somewhere in North Carolina when I was in grad school. And it was like, I, I was just blown. It was, I was like, wait, he, he was, cause he was merging so much of the, of Latin, Latin American specific stuff with marimba. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, hey, yeah. <laughs> I like Latin American stuff too. I know. He was awesome. He was, that was one of my favorite semesters at Delaware when I got to study all the marimba stuff that I did with him. Yeah. What I was going to ask is what were the facilities like in Delaware? So when I got to Delaware, they had just built a brand new uh, music building, which Mm. was awesome. So we had like a really old, old, old music building that the majority of our classes happened in. And that's where our percussion studio was. Mm. Uh, And that was the building was called Amy E. DuPont and we just called it Amy high school because it looked like a high school. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you never saw anybody outside of it. So yeah, there you go. Uh, and then you w- would walk, there was like a green, uh, a green, like on a normal college campus that separated these two buildings, but across the, the uh, green was another music building that had a recital hall, a gorgeous, gorgeous recital hall. Um, and then this room that I don't know what it was meant to be. I think it was meant to be an auditorium and it's kind of like a gym. Like it looked like a gym when I was there, but it had pulled out, you could pull out, um, rows of, of stadium seating essentially. Um, and then we had some really nice practice rooms on the second floor. Uh, and we would have like a few percussion designated practice rooms that just had marimbas, drum sets, timpani in there. Uh, so the facilities were pretty nice. Um, I mean, still we like, we had all those practice rooms and we still preferred to all practice in this, in the studio at the same time. I don't know why I I do it. Like my kids do it now. And I'm always wondering, why are you doing that? But I used to do it too, where, you know, I'd be facing one way on a marimba and my friend would be facing the other way right behind me on a xylophone. And we just practice in the same room. Uh, yeah. So the facilities were really good. I mean, the campus at Delaware is really gorgeous. Mm. Um, The music, the original music building for sure needs to be updated, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, I was never hurting for anything there. Uh, well, tell me about the experience on the, the marching side, because it sounds like from what you said earlier, that this is actually your entry into DCI comes here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Jim and Kona, um, who, is like a really big name in front ensemble has taught and written for almost every single drum corps at this point. Um, he was my professor for the marching band side of things. And I was in the front ensemble and I started working with him through the Delaware front ensemble. And he, uh, he was teaching at the cadets at the time. And one of our percussion grad students was teaching at the cadets at the time, Mike Sellers. And I started, you know, thinking like, oh, I think I kind of want to do drum corps. And, and I, I really was a drum corps fan in high school, but I mean, to be honest, I, you never really know what it is until you really do it. Um, so I thought it was cool and I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll try this thing. Um, and I show up to an audition and I mean, I was way out of my league, but I, I walked into my audition and I said, I will play whatever, whatever you want me to play. Like, I just want to be in the drum corps. Um, and they were like, okay, well, do you have piano experience? We have a, we have a synth spot open. I said, yes, I've, I've played piano, uh, since I was six. And they were like, okay, well, if you want to play synth, you can, you can do it. And we're like, okay, I I'm in, I'll do it. <laughs> so I ended up in 2012, uh, I played synthesizer at cadets. Um, and then I, you know, at this point, up until this point, I had only ever played Burton grip 
And I'd only ever played burn grip for a year because I only knew how to play. I mean, I didn't learn how to play four mounts until really I got to college. So I, um, I quickly tried to learn Stevens. Um, and then my second year I played vibraphone at cadets. And then my third year I was actually center marimba so that my trajectory kind of went upward from <laughs> being in synthesizer land. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, and, and that's how I ended up. I, so I marched 12, 13, 14, um, all three years, Jim Ancona was there and, and Ian Moyer was running the front mm. ensemble and Colin yep. McNutt was running the battery. So I had a really, really awesome progression experience while yeah. I was, yeah. Uh, there were three really great years for us. That's great. Yeah. And it's a good lesson for, you know, for so your students who are interested in it to just, to just make it clear that you just get in like, I know. Don't, I know. For, like, don't don't get a, you know, don't, don't get a, uh, um, don't be overconfident about what you what what your abilities are. Just make the group and figure it out. <laughs> exactly. Like because I didn't I didn't care. You know, yeah. so many people come in and they're thinking, oh well, I need to play marimba. I need to play. I need to make the marimba line, or I need to make the snare line. And and I mean, I literally went in and said, I will play whatever you want me to play because I just, I just wanted to march drum corps and I knew I wanted to be a member of that specific drum corps. So it worked, ended up working out in my favor. And I learned a lot that year. Yeah. Um, I would argue that that, you know, that year playing synthesizer was the hardest year that I had, uh, even harder than being a section leader and playing center marimba, like, and being responsible for all the timing because the electronic stuff is a whole different world, you know, and, and that everybody hears every single thing you do. Yeah. So it gets blasted to the entire stadium and to the entire drum corps when you play a wrong note or play a wrong rhythm. Um, yeah. So, so that year, uh, it was a really, really good learning experience for me and kind of, uh, it set up, set the tone for my next two years. What was the, the years you were there? What was the best finish you all had? Overall, drum corps wise, we got fourth my first year and third and then third. But in my second year in 2013, we won percussion. Nice. Uh, yeah, which was was really, really fun. <laughs> it was what, really was, cool. what was the show? Uh, the show was called Side by Side. It was if you've seen it, it's like there's these giant towers that that moved across the field. Uh, the front ensemble book was really fun. It was all Samuel Barber um, for oh, symphony. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, Samuel Barber, first symphony for the first two movements, I think. And then uh, we also played Adagio for strings and um, Medea. Oh, nice. That's yeah. a, that's a sweet piece. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, so that was really fun. And yeah, the, interestingly enough, the front ensemble didn't get along very well that year. Uh, but we're all friends now, which is hilarious. <laughs> Um, you know, cause I, you don't I, have to be around each other 24 yeah, seven. Drum Corps is such, it's, it's a struggle, you know, and it's, it's a delicate balance for sure because you are with each other 24 seven, you don't yeah. get a break. And then you're out in the heat and you're in Mississippi and it's like 110 degrees and really humid and, right. and you haven't slept in five days and uh, yeah. So um, but yeah, I mean, that year was, was funny for us. Like 2013, we, uh, our bus broke down like five or six times. And I think we were on like six different buses throughout the season, the wow. progression section. So we would go weeks without sleep, like without real sleep, without on, on the floor sleep. Yeah. 
um, because we would break down in the middle of the night and like have to sit on the side of the road, wait for another bus to come pick us up and then load all of our stuff into another bus. <laughs> and then we'd get there at like 10 AM. We'd get off the bus and they'd be like, okay, it's time for rehearsal. Down beat. Yeah. Yeah. And then that whole summer we did 30 minute lunches. I don't, I don't really know why, but the percussion section only had 30 minute lunches. Oh, because we wanted the stadium for percussion stadium. So we would, we would run, we'd have lunch before the rest of the drum corps and then mm-hmm. everybody else would have lunch and we'd get the stadium for an extra 45 minutes. Mm. So that was, it was funny. Yeah. That was the year of no sleep and, um, buses breaking down, but we did win percussion, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and some, you, you got to know some people's, you know, body odor probably more than you. Oh would. yeah. Yeah. I could do without that. <laughs> yeah. There, there are some memories that I could do without. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, that was, uh, the, that was the drum corps thing. That was, that was great. Marching. I, I, loved it. And then, um, that's kind of how I got into teaching too, because I, after I aged out in 2015, I aged out in 14 in 2015, I had reached out to Ian Moyer and said, um, you know, if he knew of anybody, I would love to teach a little bit over the summer. And I ended up teaching, um, cadets too, which is the DCA core mm. for a few weekends while I was home in New Jersey because they're based on the East coast. Yeah. Um, and basically I kind of took, I, I taught a few weekends, but not long, not long enough to say like I taught the whole season. Um, and then the, the next year leading into 2016, Jim Ancona got asked to write the front ensemble book for Carolina crown. Mm. And, uh, he reached out to me and asked me if I'd be interested in teaching. And that's kind of how I started teaching, uh, DCI. Um, and I said, yes. And then I was there for 2016, 17 and 18. And we had some three fantastic front ensembles, uh, that were really, really fun to teach. And that, and that was a really special experience, um, because teaching is completely different than, than marching, uh, in terms of drum corps. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was super fun. And I got to meet a lot of people and, you know, all of that is kind of the drum corps, I would say is how I, I mean, 100% drum corps is how I am where I am today, because not only like from the playing and educational aspect, but the connections that I made through drum corps is how I got the jobs that I got in Texas. Because I mean, you come in from New Jersey and they're like, who is this chick? You know, just yeah. from some girl from New Jersey that says she plays percussion. <laughs> That's all, I'm sorry. You, you, you just saying chick. And I was like, okay. The, it's like, you are from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's my New Jersey. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And then uh, just because of, of drum corps, that's how I made all those connections. And, and when I got to Texas, I was originally a lesson teacher and then I moved on to being a percussion assistant and then I was a percussion director. And then now I'm here in Capel and, and every single one of those were, were from some sort of drum corps connection. We will return with part two with Annie Chernow next week. Stay tuned. This week's rave is the 2019 book, Trick Mirror, Reflections on Self-Delusion, written by Gia Tolentino, a staff writer at The New Yorker. I'd come across Tolentino's columns a couple of times throughout the years, particularly when she wrote for the site Jezebel. But I hadn't gotten to reading her writing in one fell swoop. Glad I did. Trick Mirror 
is a collection of nine original essays that cover a wide swath of items of pop culture. Tolentino, in her early 30s, has been well-versed in internet and social media culture her entire life, and not only researches her subjects immensely well, but is equally adept at making connections across genres and ideas. A few of her essays in this collection of note. One, The Eye in the Internet, discusses her own complicated feelings with having her entire life be online. Two, Pure Heroines is a survey of great and notable female characters throughout the history of fiction writing. Three, The Story of a Generation in Seven Scams is her summation of the previous 10 years of awful stories mostly related to politics, financial concerns, and social media. Four, We Come from Old Virginia is a deeper look into campus date rape through a well-known, poorly reported story from her alma mater, the University of Virginia. And five, Ivy Dread, her personal distress at the wedding industry and wedding culture. While these pieces likely cover items you already know a lot about, the analysis and connections between all of these essays are what will make it well worth your time. So check out Trick Mirror wherever you get your books. And that's our show. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment and a rating. You can always find every episode and the show notes at the homepage at PeteZambito.com slash Pete's Percussion Podcast, the episodes. The show is also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast locations. If you're on Facebook, like the page Pete's Percussion Podcast. You can find me there on Instagram and Twitter at Pete Zambito or by email at Pete'sPerkPod at gmail.com. I'll catch you next time for part two with Andy Chernow. Until then.